Good Sunday to you. Rashini Rajkumar here along with Dr. David Hilden. And this is the March 21st edition of Healthy Matters. We're going to get into venom, toxins, poisons. It is a very important topic. Phone and text lines will be open for you for the entire show. 651-989-9226. And Dr. Hilden, I understand we are kicking off National Poison Week with our show today. Indeed we are. It is National Poison Prevention Week. And as regular listeners to the show know, we uh, highlight this topic each year to remind people uh, about some safe uh, uh, living habits, some, some tips about staying safe around your home, around your grandchildren, out in the community. And so I'm really lucky that we have the the National um, uh, Poison Prevention Week um, each spring, and even more lucky that the state of Minnesota's uh, Poison Prevention Center is right is based right at HCMC Hennepin Healthcare, where I work. So, in just a moment, we will get to uh, that topic. We will give you numbers to call, websites to look for, and we will answer your questions including um, anything you want to know about medication toxicity. Um, That's a big topic. Household things around your home, are they safe and how to stay safe? About laundry detergent and labeling and keeping your kids safe from that. We'll even uh, talk about nail polish, I think. If uh, those of you who are listening last week, we had a we had a call about that. So we're going to talk about a lot of uh, of uh, topics around toxins and poisons and how to stay safe. My guest, who I will get to in just a few minutes, is going to be uh, Doctor of Pharmacy Samantha Lee, and so. Um, stay tuned for that in just a moment. I do want to take a, a little diversion about a topic that happened in this past week. It's a great, inspiring story. If you're looking for something to start out your week on a happy note, you should get a load of this. One of our security officers um, was minding her own business, doing her job at the emergency department entrance in downtown Minneapolis. Tiffany Owen is her name. And a, a gentleman came rushing into the door and said, my wife is delivering her baby like now. Uh, and so the she called for the physicians in the emergency department, which is just, you know, 50 feet away. She runs out to the car, and indeed, a baby was being born in an automobile in our driveway. And so uh, the security guard sort of went into total professional mode. She also is a mother. She's been there. But she also has been trained in how to handle emergencies, including this. So she literally delivered that baby in the car in the driveway. And it was such a fascinating story. And everybody's well. Everybody's doing great. The baby's great. The mother and father are great. The security guard had a more one of the more memorable uh, shifts of her life. And really kind of in a cool way, the parents named the child after the security guard. So the, there's a baby Tiffany named after security guard Tiffany, and it's just such a cool story. But what I wanted to mention to you is that not usually does the security guard deliver your babies when you come to the hospital. We have an incredible birth center, and um, and, and it just so happens that this month we're doing a Meet the Midwives uh, um, session, and so uh, I'm using the story of, of baby Tiffany in the last two weeks to highlight our Meet the Midwives program, and I want you to go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash meet the midwives because we are doing events if you want to learn more about what nurse midwives do. I know the the head of our nurse midwife program. Her name is Jessica Holm. We have an incredible, 
group of nurse midwives who work alongside our family doctors and our obstetricians in our birth center. But the nurse midwife program is what I want to highlight. Um, it is um, uh, the nurse, the meet the midwife event is going to be on this tu- on Tuesday, March thirtieth. Tuesday, March 30th, not t- this Tuesday, but a week from, from noon to 1 p.m., and you can meet our nurse midwives, get all your questions answered. So go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash meet the midwives for more information about that. So that's a little bit of um, uh, kind of a cool story, about, especially about the security guard, Tiffany. It's like, holy cow, um, that one kind of caught everybody off guard, but we did a little story about it. It got a little media attention, and um, sometimes we need some happy stories. But I do want you to know that uh, Tiffany, our security guard, she's going to keep her job. She's not <laughs> she's not standing <laughs> yeah, security not, guard. Not a career switch right now. I mean, it's that is very inspiring, which is definitely what we need all the time, especially during these times. So once again, that website is www which you know you don't have to always say that but it is uh, hennepinhealthcare.org slash meet midwives so hennepinhealthcare.org slash meet midwives and you'll find out more information about that event in about eight nine days on march 30th from noon to one and i think there are also are some misconceptions out there as the rise and uh, of midwives has really come into the norm. I mean, you hear about them so much more, and you can get all your questions answered, which I think is such a great event that you'll be doing at, over at Hennepin Healthcare Doc. It is super cool, and the, the the interesting thing is that it's a it's a relatively new phenomenon in our humanity's history to have your babies at uh, um, at a hospital. Midwives have been doing it for a, a zillion years, and we have a great program of midwives that have backup support from physicians, but they are outstanding. So check it out. So we have lots of show for you today. Dr. Hilden and Dr. Samantha Lee will answer questions about venoms, toxins, and poisons. And as Dr. Hilden described uh, earlier in the show, there are so many areas where you can find these icky substances, for lack of a better word. So they're all, they're just pervasive but it doesn't mean you have to be afraid. You just have to have the knowledge. And so today, phone and text lines are open for this topic, 651-989-9226. We do have some texts coming in about COVID. We'll try to get to those near the end of the show. So we hope that you stay with us and listen to this great information and also call with your questions about venoms, toxins, poisons. 651-989-9226. We'll introduce our guest when Healthy Matters returns. But I guess that's why they say every rose has its thorn. Just like every night has its dawn. We are back on Healthy Matters. Rashini Rajkumar and Dr. David Hilden with you, answering your questions on venoms, toxins, and poisons as we kick off Poison Prevention Week. That's a national week where health officials and others in healthcare really want you to focus on safety. Give us a call if you have any questions or a text, 651-989-9226. And Dr. Hilden, I know we have a guest today. Indeed we do, uh, Rashini. Good morning, everybody. It is a National Poison Prevention Week. And I'm going to introduce uh, Dr. Samantha Lee. She is the director of the Minnesota Poison Control Center, which is based at Hennepin Healthcare in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. 
Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Hillen and Rashini. I'm very excited to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, tell us a little bit about, the, uh, just start us off, lay the groundwork, if you will, about what the Poison Control Center does and the role of you and pharmacists and your team. Yeah. So the Poison Center, uh, we are a 24-hour poison emergency information service for all of Minnesota. And we take calls from the public and from the healthcare professionals. And really, we can help with almost any types of poisoning, um, whether it's household cleaners, chemicals, medications, plants, mushrooms. I can keep listing them. Um, but our um, super knowledgeable pharmacists who man these poison helpline, uh, which is 1-800-222-1222, is able to really help all of the residents in Minnesota. A lot of time in these times of emergency to help them with any poisoning and treatment recommendations. So you gave that number, um, Dr. Lee. Tell us more about how, if, if I call that number, that sounds like a toll-free number that you could call from anywhere. What happens when I get that, when I call that number? How does it get to you? Yeah, so it is a toll-free number, um, but it's going to be routed um, to the Minnesota Poison Control System, um, usually by where you are. Um, so it's a free and confidential uh, number. So when you call, you'll get to our um, poison specialist and we'll ask you some questions about what's going on just to kind of help triage, get a good understanding, see everyone is doing. But we are really the best source that you can get for any poisoning emergencies. What What are the common things you see. Now, I think I have some idea because I've been using the Poison Control Center for 20 years as a physician. We call all the time and we're usually calling about medications. You know, somebody somebody ingested something, we think they overdosed on something and we need advice. What is that a common type of call or what what make up most of the calls that you get? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, medication certainly is a large a uh, component of calls we get, you know, analgesics like acetaminophen uh, or ibuprofen, um, antidepressants, um, you know, blood pressure medications. Um, but we certainly get a lot of calls about non-drug uh, substances too. And these are things that are just common that lay around the house. So household cleaners, uh, many cosmetics or personal care items, um, alcohols. Um, form bodies like toys or even those little silica gel packs you find in your shoe boxes. Um, and so really, you know, it's kind of all the place, especially what's available around the house. Hey, you just brought up an interesting one, Sam. Those silica gels you found in shoe boxes. I bet we've yeah. all wondered about those things. You know, you get something delivered yeah. and it's got a little thing that looks like a sugar packet. What is that? And is it, yeah. what, is it dangerous? Yeah. No, so... Silica gel, basically those beads are just like giant granules of sand. So pretty much inert. Uh, and overall, now a big issue is just really more of a choking hazard, but otherwise they are non-toxic. Um, so, you know, we certainly get a lot of calls about little kiddos, you know, grab the pack and start gnawing on it. Um, but fortunately, as long as they're not choking on it, just clear out of their mouth and you'll be just fine. 
That's that's an interesting one. I've never I've never even known about those things, but I've, I you always see them. And I go, what the heck is this? And then you throw it away. <laughs> exactly. Another thing that kids, however, do swallow and are dangerous are those little detergent pods, aren't they? Aren't those dangerous? Yeah, the laundry pods. Um, you know, those have have been around uh, for a few years, and they're handy when it comes to doing laundry. Um, but they can also be a problem to little kids because they are so pretty looking. They're colorful. Um, they look like candy. And so, you know, certainly little kiddos can be mistaken by that. And, you know, ingestion of it potentially can cause, you know, uh, serious injuries. Um, you know, small amounts of it can be irritating to the tummies, but we do get worried about how it affects their breathing, their mentation, and potential burns with large amounts. Yeah, you'd think they'd make those, like, black and gross looking and have them slimy <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, I know, right? It's part of marketing. Um, you know, certainly they do try to make those packaging a little bit more child resistant. Um, but, you know, kids can still get into them or if one gets left out while it's be- right before you pop it into the washer, they can still get get it. Yeah, there's one tip for listeners. Keep your laundry detergent pods away from kids. Put them up high. Don't leave them lying around. Those are not a good thing for your kids to be to be getting at. I've heard about that um, over the... You know, I just discovered those things about a year ago. Apparently, they've been around a while, but I'm still using liquid laundry detergents. I don't even have... <laughs> I don't, they, I don't they even have kids handy. in the, They are handy. I did... I, I have found that out. So when... If a parent, or it doesn't have to be a parent, but a, a person calls you, what, what, what would you tell them um, at the poison center? In other words, do you just tell everybody, go to the emergency department, or are you able to help people to safely treat things at their homes. Absolutely. You know, um, we help people make, you know, avoid unnecessary trips to the hospital. Uh, We, uh, over 90% of the calls we get often come from residential settings, you know, from the home, a parent calling about a child. And, you know, over 90% of the calls we get from residential settings we're able to safely manage at home. Our specialists are able to talk through the situation, get an idea of what's going on, help manage the symptoms, and really triage. You know, um, many of these situations were able to help the caller um, stay at home. We follow up just to make sure everyone is doing well. So if you don't have to go in, we don't send you in. That's a good thing to for people to note, you know, is that it, you, this is a way for you to be safe at home, to to get your questions answered about your children at home and, and to see how dangerous a situation are you in and if it's a, something you can manage at home or if you have to go into the hospital. We are talking to Dr. Samantha Lee. She is the uh, director of the Minnesota Poison Control Center, which is based in downtown Minneapolis, but serves the entire region. Um, She is joining us to talk about various icky things that you could swallow or get in trouble with. We're going to talk about nail polish. We're going to talk about bugs in the community. We have a lot more to talk about after the break, Rashini. Yes, we do. And once again, the number is 651-989-9226. You can call us. You can text us. More Healthy Matters when we return. The 
There goes Devin Doctor with uh, the music selections for today's edition of Healthy Matters. We're talking about poisons, toxins, venoms. Dr. David Hilden is here with our guest, Samantha Lee, Dr. Lee, who is a pharmacist and is the director of the Minnesota Poison Control System. So if there's anyone who knows poisons, it is Dr. Lee. Give us a call. Give us a text. 651-989-9226. And we do have some texts coming in, doctor, but I'll let you kick off this half hour. Thanks a lot, Rashini. Good morning, everybody. If you're just joining us, we are indeed talking to the director of the Minnesota Poison Control Center, uh, Dr. Samantha Lee. Uh, Once again, thanks for being on the show, Sam. Thank you so much for having me here. Hey, can you help us out with a question that somebody asked last week? Now, we were doing an open line show where people ask us about literally anything that's on their minds. And most of those questions lately have been about the COVID and the coronavirus. But somebody asked a question related to that. They wanted to know about the safety of nail polish and nail polish remover. So, you know, it's a strong smell. uh, And they were concerned about just the fumes from that. Could you talk a little bit about the safety of that? Yeah, you know, certainly the fumes from the nail polish and the remover can be very strong. Um, you know, they may produce maybe minor irritation, like irritation to the nose or the throat, maybe some mild headache, uh, some nausea, or feeling a little dizzy. Um, but a lot of it's probably more related if you're using it in a maybe non-sensitive space for a prolonged amount of time. But I think when you're using it as dressed or just doing your nails or, you know, removing the polish, um, brief inhalation of that really should not be an issue, especially if you do it in a well-vented space. You know, if you're in the bathroom, turn on the vent, um, or if you're in the living space, you know, maybe crack open a little bit window and that should not be a problem. Good. That's helpful. And if uh, whoever called in last week, if you're listening, I think that's a, a good answer. Uh, I think there maybe was like a connection with fertility and all that. But I say if you're using it as directed um, and, and uh-huh. as uh, as you say, that's uh, that's probably a pretty safe thing to do. Can we talk a little bit about bugs and things yeah. like that? Are there is that a big deal in Minnesota? I mean, we live here where the bugs barely survive the winter, except apparently the mosquitoes. <laughs> you know, and what about bug safety? Out. Yeah, um, you know, we, we certainly do give our, our share of calls, you know, people, you know, a lot of times people are concerned because they're not quite sure what kind of bugs they got that, you know, they might have a bite, a rash, um, and really we help, you know, guide them a lot with the first aid on how to, you know, wash off the wounds and maybe try a little bit of diphenhydramine or some cream to, you know, make the itch go away. Um, but, you know, majority of times, you know, critter bites are not going to be a big issue with these insects. All right. Well, and related to that, Dr. Lee, we have this question. Good morning. I'm hiking in the southeast part of Minnesota and occasionally in Palm Springs. Any tips for those of us that might encounter poisonous sta- snakes or spiders? We did see a tarantula in Palm Springs. Yeah. Uh, you know, Different regions of the U.S. generally have different types of critters. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's always good to be aware of what, um, you know, regional um, animals, wild animals might be around in your area. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, be aware of what where you're hiking. 
Um, try not to stick your hands in, you know, a, a dark, grassy area. Um, maybe have a stick around to kind of tap around. Um, and then also, you know, if you're hiking out there, wear boots. Maybe, you know, ones that can kind of go up a little bit higher over your ankle just to help, you know, protect your lower legs a little bit more. I have heard that we have... Um, we have lots of snakes in Minnesota, but, but they're little ones. Except down there, sort of right down by the, uh, along the river bluffs, there are a few rattlesnakes down there. Do you ever, and which are of course venomous, do you ever get calls about people who get wondering if the snake bite is poisonous or not? Because there are a few rattlesnakes down there in Minnesota, particularly you know Winona or even further south by La Crescent, yeah. La Crosse. Do yeah. you ever get calls like we that? Um, you know, we, we, we do have native rattlesnake in Minnesota, the timber rattlesnake, um, and there's also Masasagua. But fortunately, we really haven't gotten any calls regarding bites in our state. Um, a lot of our rattlesnake bites tend to come from our neighbors to the west in Dakotas with the prairie rattlesnake. Um, but rattlesnakes are actually venomous um, because they have to bite you with their fangs to inject their venom. Yeah, it goes through their teeth or something, doesn't it? Right, right, through their thing, exactly. Okay, so let's move on from, from those. Do we have spiders in Minnesota that people should be aware of? I've seen little local reactions from spiders, but do we yeah, have big nasty yeah. ones? We don't, you know. Uh, whenever we get calls about spiders, you know, the big ones that people always think about are the black widow or the brown recluse. Unfortunately, um, we really don't have many of those big, scary ones native to Minnesota. Um, but they could travel up to our states, whether it's in a car or cargo shipment. So it's rare, um, but it can happen. But majority of the spiders, like you said, just kind of cause more of that local reaction. Dr. Lee, we have this question, of which I'm sure many of us are interested in, including myself, because I have a nine-and-a-half-month puppy. This listener wants to know what your advice is on toxins and pets. Yeah. Um, you know, our poison center, we actually handle human exposures more, not puppies. Um, and so we do refer our callers if they do have animal questions or exposures for their pets and cats to the Animal Poison Control um, Center, uh, which are uh, staffed by vets and vet techs. Um, so there are a few of them available around, like the ASPCA or um, Pet Helpline. And so they are the experts on poisoning when it comes to pets. Yeah, you know, I want to share just a little anecdote. So I was... Uh going to Florida in February and got some new swimsuits and they sold me some special swimsuit washing soap. And somehow our puppy got into that. I thought I had it sitting well above where he could get it. And when I found him, he had somehow with no opposable thumbs opened up the the lid and it appears doctor that he did ingest some of it. We were horrified um and he was kind of coughing and he ended up sort of throwing up soap i mean it sounds disgusting but it's a mild soap what are what could be the long-term effects for him 
Yeah, you know, I can't tell for animals for sure, but, you know, that's certainly a common scenario that we see with little children um, grabbing a detergent bottle while the parents might be somewhere um, trying to get the house cleaned up and take a swallow. And majority of that is just going to be more that irritation to the tummy and maybe they throw up. Um, and, you know, typically that's about the extent of that exposure, just that um, self-limiting tummy upset. So, you know, we don't typically expect any long-term issues if, as long as they um, do well afterwards. Sam, I had a, a question. Oh, go ahead, Rossini. No, I was just going to say that's a relief, and we do have some more texts coming in, Doctor, when you're done. Yeah, there was a question that, that gets asked of me um, frequently from listeners about getting people to vomit after they've taken something. Do you recommend that when a parent finds their child has swallowed something that they try to get them to vomit? You know, we always used to have that syrup of Ipecac in our in our medicine cabinet. No one knew what to do with it, and I don't know if we mm-hmm. ever used it, but it was always in there. What is the latest recommendations on that? Yeah, we we do not recommend inducing vomiting. Um, depending on what was ingested, inducing vomiting could be a problem too. You know, if you accidentally, you know, ingested something that could cause burns, you know, what burns going down can burn coming back up. Um, or maybe, you know, the content could go down the wrong pipe down your lungs and then you aspirate it. And that could be a problem. And sometimes just inducing vomiting really doesn't get the thing that you're trying to make them throw up. And sometimes that would just make that person feel even sicker. Um, And so we recommend whenever you ingest something that you're concerned about, um, call the poison center right away. And we will help walk you through what we need to do. Sometimes it might just be drinking a little bit of water to help dilute it down um, or eating a snack. Um, But definitely call the poison center and we can offer you the best recommendation. Wow. I mean, that's a really good point that it, it could actually burn the other direction. I would never have thought of that. So thanks yeah, for I think it, it sharing that. Worse. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember yeah. having it. My kids are too old now, but we had that stuff in our closets, but that was back in the 90s. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. I've, yeah. I, don't do that, folks. Call the Poison Control Center. I do want to give a couple of uh, informational on um, how to get in touch with them. The number, if you have any question, 365 days a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, the Poison Center from anywhere is 1-800-222-1222. If you have kids, put it in your contact list. Put Poison Control Center, if you, especially if you have children, 1-800-222-1222. You can always go to webpoisoncontrol.org. That's another place for information, webpoisoncontrol.org. And I encourage you to follow the Minnesota Poison Control Center on Twitter. It's MN Poison Center at Twitter. So the main thing to remember is that number, 1-800-222-1222. And you call that from anywhere and you will get the Minnesota Poison Control Center. It's based on your cell phone. Um, so if you are, uh, I'm pretty sure if you're area code, if you're moved here from Brooklyn or something, it's based on your mm-hmm. cell phone. Uh, is that correct, Sam? Is it, it? Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, based on the cell phone. So if for some reason you end up moving to a different part of the country and, you know, you know, a lot of these, you know, uh, general exposures, all of poison centers can help you with that, but we can certainly connect you to where you're actually located to if needed. Dr. Lee, let's take one more text before we have to go to break. 
This person says, I take precautions when hiking, but wonder what I would do if I or the person I hike with would get a rattlesnake bite. Yeah. You know, we certainly don't want to MacGyver any snake bites, like sucking out the venom, cutting it, or, you know, doing tourniquets or anything like that. Um, the best thing you can do if you're out hiking and you got bit by a rattlesnake is stay calm um, and get to a hospital right away. Um, and, you know, depending on, you know, the snake that bit you and how the bite works, um, you know, there are anti-venoms that's available that they can give. But your best, you know, treatment is to get in the car and get to a hospital. Thank you, Sam. We are, believe it or not, out of time. And uh, the show ha- goes so quickly. We've got so much information from you. Um, uh, uh, I want to say thank you to Dr. Samantha Lee, who is the director of the Minnesota Poison Control Center. Thank you so much for coming on the show and kicking off Poison uh, Prevention Week, Sam. Thank you so much, Dr. Hilden and Rashini. Very exciting to be here to share about Poison Prevention Week and Poison Center Services. So feel free to call us if you ever need our help. We definitely will. Well, thank you very much. We're going to have to take a break. We'll take more of your calls and texts when we come back. We can also handle some of the COVID questions that came in. So give us a call, give us a text in our remaining few minutes on Healthy Matters. We are back on Healthy Matters for our remaining minutes with Dr. Hilden. We've been talking venoms, toxins, poisons. We'll also take any other questions you have, 651-989-9226. But let's get to some of those questions before we have to go, Dr. Hilden. Pat from Maple Grove says this, should we be aware of any toxicity related to all of the hand and other sanitizers and gels that we and our kids are using these days, like touching our eyes after using them? Yeah, that's a good question, Pat. I'll I'll try to handle that one as best I can. Yeah, the 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 cleaning solutions, the disinfectants, the alcohol-based things that are in all the hand sanitizers and the in the like, they are per, they're safe on your hands. They they evaporate immediately, but you should keep them out of your um the mucous membranes of your body. That would be your mouth, your eyes. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, rub those um uh there. It, it is not going to be long-term harmful, but it, you, you would want to keep all kinds of solvents or chemicals out of your eyes. So rinse your eyes out if that were, if that were to be the case. And certainly, very clearly, do not ingest any of the hand sanitizers. Um, they are alcohol-based. Some of them, unfortunately, have an, uh, a different type of alcohol called methanol, and that is highly toxic. Highly, highly toxic. So you do not want to um, ingest your kids on their fingers on the, if they put those fingers in their mouth. So if you have a hand sanitizer that has methanol in it with an M, like Minnesota M, um, you need to throw that out. You need to find some um, hand sanitizer that does not include that. All of the approved ones you can get at major stores here will likely, they shouldn't have that in it. But um, sometimes people get it online or they get it delivered from other places. Methanol-based hand sanitizers are not safe. All right. It's kind of slimy, but it's a good visual when you said avoid all the mucous membranes. I know. Exactly. That's what we call like the inside of your mouth, the kind of the, the, the wet areas, your eyes, things like that. Right. All right. This person, very helpful for pets. They're recommending the petspoisonhelpline.com. Pet petpoisonhepline.com. There's also a phone number. It's based in Bloomington, 
7661. 855-764-7661. Just go to petpoisonhelpline.com. Thank you, listener, for sending that in. All right, doctor, we did get some COVID questions before the show even started. This listener says, can insects spread the virus? That's a good one, uh, and we don't think so. Um, the, the COVID virus is spread through uh, the respiratory system, and uh, meaning your mouth and your nose, and it is airborne. In other words, it floats around the air, uh, and so you breathe it in. It is not bloodborne. So um, uh, all viruses or all infectious diseases have a, a whole life cycle, and um, some of them, like, say, malaria, the life cycle involves getting into your bloodstream. COVID does not. Its life cycle is that it lives in your nasopharynx, your nose and your mouth and your lungs, and it is expelled in your uh, respiratory um, activities through the, the moisture of your breathing, and uh, it, gets it gets breathed in by another person, um, and mostly by people that are in close proximity to you. That's why six feet is not just a fun number that somebody made up. That is roughly how far droplets go out of your mouth. Um, uh, the COVID can be spread, though, even further than six feet. There are, there's lots of evidence that it probably floats in the air even more than that. Um, the data are less uh, clear on that, but it is only through your respiratory system. So insect bites are okay with uh, uh, for your, that's not how you get COVID. All right, we're running up against the clock, but I always promise we'll get to our callers. So I'll ask Cindy in Andover to be sort of quick. Cindy, thanks for calling. Thank you. My husband got the second Pfizer shot on Friday, starting Friday night and through yesterday. I think he's probably okay today. Uh, his arms itched, both arms. No big redness like COVID arm, but his arms itched. Yes, Cindy, that's probably just a, um, a, a little mild local inflammatory reaction, um, especially since it was in both arms. Most people do get something in the arm they got the shot in. For sure, that you get a sore arm. Some people, it's just a little, little mild, and others they get a quite sore arm. That's a local immune reaction around the site of injection. If he's getting kind of itchiness on both arms, it is um, probably some. It's either unrelated, um, or it is some mild um, little uh, um, skin reaction on, on the order of some kind of allergic thing. It's not anything you need to be concerned about. If his breathing is having trouble. That would be a different story. That's what's called an anaphylactic reaction, and he would have known that long before now. So little Benadryl might be something worth taking or another antihistamine to relieve that itchiness, but it should go away. If it does not, call your doctor. All right, Doc, let's get in this one real quickly. My wife and I have both received our first vaccine of Moderna two weeks ago. I have heard several people say we are protected now before the second dose. If so, would it be safe to travel before that second dose? You are not completely safe after the first dose. You have a little bit of immune protection, but not complete. So you, you are most protected two weeks after your last dose. So two weeks after the second dose of Pfizer or Moderna or two weeks after the only dose of Johnson & Johnson. Before that, you're not fully protected. All right, we covered a lot of ground today. The number again for that Poison Helpline, 800-222-1222. And if you want information about the Meet the Midwives event that Hennepin Healthcare is having on March 30th from noon to 1, go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash midwives. And Doc, time is going quickly, but how can people reach you during the week? 
Yeah, a lot of people are checking out Twitter. I know a lot of people really like doing that. So check me out at Dr. David Hilden. That's my handle, Dr. David Hilden. And we look forward to interacting with you that way. And I hope everybody has a terrific week. We'll do an open lines next show with all your questions. And we will be back from 7 to 8 next Sunday to close out the month of March. Meantime, make it a healthy week. <laughs>